Welcome to the Forensic Cop Podcast. Liverpool 2, Bournemouth 1. Back so, to winning ways. Yeah, I mean, a good win. Uh, wasn't as dominating as we might have liked it, but you know what? We got the job done. Uh, it was a little rough. We uh, didn't keep a clean sheet, but you know what are you going to say? We uh, needed a win and we got it. I think the best thing about that game was that uh, Bournemouth scored very early, so it gave us enough time to get our act together and come back and take the lead. I mean, I think it's good in a way. In another way, it's not good. I think it was very clear that Adrian is clearly not on the form that he was um, previously. Uh, I think at the beginning of the year when he was filling in for Allison, he was much better. It wasn't his fault, though. Uh, I'm not saying that it was his fault. He just looked a lot more shaky, I think, right. than he than he should have been. Um, I mean, if you're going to put blame on it, I think it either goes to uh, Gomez for getting pushed or the ref for not calling it. I mean, everyone and their uncles talked about it, so I'm not even going to talk about that. The one that kind of bothered me was I didn't see a huge response from the Liverpool team, either attacking the ref after the the call or just getting into a very physical game afterwards. Like, uh, if I was playing, I would have essentially pushed every single chance I got to absolutely force the ref's hand after not making that call. Um, and frankly, I think if you watch the rest of the game, there were a number of incidents where um, there were just blatant pushes. And I think because the ref let that one go against Gomez, he ended up not being able to call a lot of stuff. So there was one at uh, where Milner blatantly pushed Ryan Glazer. And I think everyone, even Milner, was shocked he didn't call it. But you know what? The ref had let the original push go, so there was just nothing he could do. Um, there were others where Genie pushed someone, Gomez pushed someone, and I think there was a lot of the similar type of pushing that wasn't called because the ref had kind of established uh, what he was going to call and what he wasn't going to call, and after that goal, he just couldn't call those pushes. And Liverpool eventually took advantage, but I've, I would have liked to see it earlier. So the ref was consistent then, right? That's what we always ask for. We ask for consistency. So he was consistently bad. So he was consistently bad. So I I do always say, and I've said this many times, I'm okay with whatever he's calling as long as it's consistent. I think it took Liverpool a while to understand that. And I would have liked to see it right away. I would have, like I said, I would have forced the ref's hand because I think he knew right away he made a mistake, but he couldn't get back with it. Um, and so that is what it is. One thing I'll ask you is, do you think uh, Van Dyke looked good? Um, not that he looked bad, but I'll tell you, in the first minute, um, he put a ball down the field for a long pass, and it went like into the seats, not even close to the field. Uh, he just didn't look quite right at the beginning to me. I remember he used to, he used to do that a lot when he first joined Liverpool. Um in, the, in his first game against Everton in, in the FA Cup, we he scored the winner and we won that game. And obviously, he's improved since then. But this reminds me back then of me thinking, okay, where is he going with all these long balls? Um, I hope that uh, this is not a sign of things to come. Um, so I don't know if it's complacency, fatigue, or what. But yeah, it seems as if he he, he, he has definitely not been playing as well as, as he was last season. Um, but he's still our best defender but I see your point um, I wasn't really sure about that long long pass that he he drilled so, so I mean for him so he obviously improved it because on uh, I believe it was the second goal where he got the pass down for Mane um, what I'll say about the second goal that I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about is the fact that um, 
Van Dyke was in the position to intercept the pass only because, and I do mean only because Liverpool is playing such a high line this year. If you actually look at where they are, they pushed way up, which you wouldn't have seen last year. So that interception happens, that pass happens, that goal happens simply because we're holding that high line. And because of that, Van Dyke has the chance to intercept that ball. So that's definitely a big change from last year. So it's kind of you live or you die by the sword, right? So that same high line that got us a goal made us concede one as well because Van Dijk was nowhere to be found when Gomez was being pushed in the back by Wilson. So I think this is an example of Gomez trust, or Van Dijk trusting Gomez, which mm. is if that had been... Uh, our friend, our friend Lovren, uh, running back for it. I think Van Dyke would have been on his horse, uh, making sure he got back to support. Uh, that being said, don't kid yourself. It actually the the goal didn't come directly off of that ball. There were actually a couple passes, so there was enough time for Liverpool to That's correct, true. and they didn't. That's true. So the other thing that I noticed about Van Dyke, it was actually kind of odd. So I I watched him for a little bit. Um, in particular, in the second half, what I noticed, uh, so at around the 50-minute mark, um, he got into a similar situation as Gomez where the guy pushed him, and he just absolutely stood his ground and showed uh, toughness that I don't know if Gomez uh, doesn't have it or just wasn't willing to show it, but absolutely, he's just much stronger on the ball than Gomez is, and that's something that Gomez needs to get to. But the one thing that I really did notice was Van Dyke went up a lot more in this game than he has in other games. So I noticed him in the 63rd minute after a free kick. 20 seconds later, he was still in the box uh, waiting for it. He wasn't coming back. Um, and there was another one in the 64th minute where he was up for a, a free kick. And when the ball didn't come in the box, it was just outside the box. He kind of went after the ball and then he actually pressed. So it was in the final third still. And he kind of followed the guy for a good like five to ten seconds, literally like doing the Klopp press. And I can tell you, I've never seen that in two years with the team that he's just never done that. Um, there were other times I can I can be specific in the 73rd minute. He was in the final third during open play. And again, in the 81st minute, he was actually in the box from open play. So this isn't even related to a free kick or a corner kick. Just from open play, he was pushing a lot more up. I think that speaks to his trust of Gomez leaving him back there. And maybe it's a change in game plan. I don't know. What do you think? I don't think it's a change in game plan. I think that... I think he's just comfortable, to be honest. I think um, he's just cruising through games and he's taking it upon himself to try different things. I think. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Uh it seemed a lot more natural. I think what I've seen before with him is he kind of goes up and then he starts coming back. Uh, and this time he just went up and he didn't stop to come back. So uh, I'm. it's interesting. I think if he does that more and he does it in a smart way, I think he's got guys like Hendo or maybe Fab coming back. So, you know, let's uh, let's see what it does. It might, it might be a bit of a change. It might catch opponents off guard. And so I... Uh, I mean, I approve. I think he's got a lot of skills up there, and it would be a nice change of pace. Here's one about the first goal that uh, I, a lot of people aren't talking about. So, obviously, Mane stole the ball, made a just brutal pass across to Salah. But did you notice right before the pass, 
it was actually Firmino who told him to run at the player. So if you look at uh, uh, one of the angles that they show, you clearly see Firmino pointing and saying run at the guy. So I know Firmino hasn't necessarily played that well, but he's definitely still orchestrating that that forward line. Yeah, he missed a couple of Gilta chances, particularly one in the final minute. Um, I, it was close to the end. I, I don't remember the specific minute. But um, the ball came through from, was it Salah or Trent on the right? And then he just blasted it over. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like he's been off this season, and I feel like there was a little bit of a run where he made some good plays, uh, where he scored some goals. But overall, he has not done well. I mean, the bottom line is he actually hasn't scored at Anfield this year. And that's not necessarily a good sign for uh, your center your center forward. But is he a center forward, though? I think that's part of the problem. I think uh, we all laud him as the centerpiece of, of the Liverpool attack. But to be honest... I I think enough is enough. I, I I want to see our number nine up there scoring goals. I don't want us to be relying on two wingers to to um, to score our goals. And to be clear, we're relying on just two wingers because you're not getting a lot of goals from everybody else. Right, exactly. Uh, so we heavily rely on the front three, and when the front three becomes a front two, I kind of agree with you. I think Firmino can make magic happen, but there needs to be a point at which it becomes more than a two-man show. Because, you know, let's let's be clear, we have less goals this season than Man City, who is now 25 points behind us. And that is, I, I just, I don't think that's normal. I think when you're running away with the league the way we are, you should be scoring goals in buckets. And so maybe there is a problem, and maybe Firmino's just not what he was last year. I mean, clearly he's not. And so you're right, maybe we need to think about a different person in that position who can potentially deliver a bit more. Do you have any suggestions? Well, I mean, I think we went out and we got Minamino for that exact reason. Mm -hmm. He'll need some time to, to come in, but I think he's got some good skills. From the little that we've seen, he's clearly got the work rate. He's got some nice little tricks that I think will work. And once he gets a better understanding of the press and of the way that uh, Salah and Mane will move, I think he might end up being a fantastic addition to the team. Do you think he can make it or do you think we should be looking at someone else? No, I definitely think that he'll make it, and I think we'll see a lot more of him uh, throughout the remainder of the season as we, um, well, as soon as we win the league officially, then I think we'll be seeing him start a lot more games. Um, I think we'll be seeing a lot of other people start games because that's the time when Klopp will be able to actually give some experience to these young guys. Right, exactly. Um, but I don't think he'll start an inexperienced team together. I think he'll just put in one or two inexperienced play or less experienced players with the senior players absolutely um so yeah so going back to your question um i do like the timo Werner rumors um I, I like that we're going for another out and out goal scorer i think that's important because like we've just said we cannot rely on two wingers to score our goals for us and then trickle in from the the midfield or the 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 um or the fullbacks every now and then um, we need a number nine in our team. And Firmino, as much as I like the player and uh, and he's really brought a lot to the team, I, I, I find that he's very casual at times with his passing, his movement. And uh, there's 
rarely a sense of urgency from him. And I think... Well, I mean, doesn't that kind of uh, say a lot from the whole team? I mean, let's be honest. So uh, if we're going to criticize him, let's take a look at other players. So Van Dyke, nobody would accuse ever of having a sense of urgency. Uh, you would look at a guy like Gomez, who's fairly calm back there as well. Uh, you look at a guy like Fab, who does not ever seem like he's overly hurried. Uh, Salah, who will miss the net and instead of getting angry, kind of smile about it. Do we maybe have a team of guys like that in a way? Yeah, maybe that's that's it. And then when you take out the two players that are not that um, that way, so you take out Henderson and Milner, then we're a completely different team, right? Because we lack those two. Not to say that all the others are not fighters, but those ones are strictly business, right? So they're 100% all the time, 100% serious, 100% committed passion and it is not a joke out there and and to be clear we had losses in the games that they weren't playing exactly and so i i i would agree with you i think that's a great observation i don't think that's a mistake i don't think that's a coincidence i think there's legitimate reasons for that and i'm going to give you an example of it so in the 25th minute uh milner actually got into it with the ref where the ref had to tell him clearly to shut up mm -hmm. um because there was a foul uh and and this was a, a bit of time after the Bournemouth goal, you could clearly see Milner still pointing to the spot where Gomez got pushed and saying, how are you calling this if you didn't call that one? And the ref told him to shut up, and he kept going on and kept pointing. And that's the kind of passion and that's the kind of intensity that I think you're talking about because that's kind of intensity that you're not necessarily seeing from Firmino or from Salah or from Van Dijk or whatever else. So yeah, a guy like Milner, a guy like Hendo, they bring that intensity and I think that's very important. So uh, again, I, I was actually quite entertained by that. I feel like Van Dijk, when he was captain previously, wasn't doing that kind of thing. I think he was giving the refs a, uh, a free ride, as it were. Um, and I think Milner definitely had a much more intense leadership role in this game, and I think it showed a little bit. And it's also difficult, too, for a central defender to um, be the one relied on to play that role because their primary job is positional sense and organization. They can't be getting too involved with chasing the referee around. They have to, to, to find their position and keep to it and organize the defense. So we've actually talked about this before. And uh, if you recall, one of the things I always said is the dumbest captain I've ever seen in my life is the captain who's a goalie. Because that is literally the guy who can never chase the ref ever <laughs> and ever get in his ear. So if there's a foul at the other end, you don't have a captain to talk to the ref. So I actually agree with you on that. I think Van Dyke positionally uh, can't really be the... Uh, the captain i think it's much more difficult for him where with milner where he was playing he had a bit more leeway to do that uh, i think hendo in the midfield is perfect i think that's the right position for him and i think that that's where you want your captain if at all possible so i would agree with that but i did like the intensity that milner brought i just didn't think i saw that in van dyke in previous games any other observations from our players? So what I did notice, and this is one that you know has driven me crazy all the time, is I saw in the 80th minute, so we were ahead, and they were obviously trying to start to make a push, and there was a foul, even though it was in their end. Uh, Salah first, and then Ox stood right in front of the ball to not let them take the kick quickly. I know it sounds like a very small thing, and I know it's not significant, but we don't do that enough and other teams do it to us 
all the time. And those are the kind of dark arts that we're just not very good at. We don't do them enough. And I liked to see it. I liked Salah standing in front of him. And I liked it when Salah moved back. He knew he had to get back. I know I liked that Ox stayed there. You know, it made them change the plan that they were going to have for the free kick. And I think we need to do that a lot because I'll be honest, do you watch Liverpool, at least in this game or any other game? And do you see a lot of those dark arts, the tactical fouls, the uh, time wasting, uh, blocking guys, things like that? Do you see a lot of that? Because I don't see a ton of it. Definitely not this season, but I know last season or probably the one before that, they had really started to up their dark art game. Um, but yeah, this season, for one reason or the other, they've they've just they're 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 a machine that's just moving, and they win games, and it's, it's as if they're not interested in playing those mind games or the dark arts games. However, it's very necessary. They absolutely are necessary. I will leave out of the the group saying that they don't play them. Milner plays them, uh, Fabinho plays them, and Hendo plays them. Absolutely. Fabinho is the master of getting that yellow card. Like, I swear to God, it's like clockwork. He will get a yellow card in the game, stopping that counterattack at the most important time. Or at least before he got injured, he would. And now I don't know what he's doing anymore. But uh, I, I agree with you. I think the dark arts are important to master. And I think if you uh, take a look at it, Man City, part of their fantastic run has been the fact that they've played the dark arts so well. This year, part of the reason why they're not doing as well as they used to, again, wrote an article about this and I actually have the statistical numbers to prove it, is they're getting called on their dark arts and that's actually a big part of the reason why they're not winning. Uh, so I, I agree. I'm very happy to see Liverpool playing that game um, at least a little bit. And so that was one of the things that highlighted it for me. So for you, who was your man of the match? Hmm. That's a tough one. Um, was there a man at the match? Because I'm kind of looking back and I'm not seeing anyone who stood out spectacularly. No, I'm I'm in agreement. Um, definitely not the goalie, not the defense, not the midfield, and not the attack. So it doesn't really leave many players when no. you take out everyone <laughs> on the field. I'd say I, I I would give them all a seven. Yeah, I, I would give them all at most a seven. I don't think anyone kind of uh, set themselves apart. I would probably, if you put a gun to my head, I would have to go with Milner for the simple fact that I think he inspired a bit more than they had before. I like that he fought with the ref, and I can see that some of the pushes that we had in the game were not called, at least in part because Milner was in the ref's ear. So at least for that level of passion and intensity, I guess I'll give him the man of the match, but I don't really see a lot of it. I mean, I don't see a lot of, you know, one player that did so well that I need to give the man of the match. It's it's kind of a hard one for me. Were you impressed by Bournemouth? I mean, I think they tried. There were a lot of times in the game where they basically had every single player in the final third. So they were just doing their best to park the bus. Uh, they maybe were organized well, played well, but at the end of the day, they got broken down. The, uh, the goal was... a bit of a fortunate chance where it shouldn't have come from anything because the ref should have blown it down but that is what it is and they took advantage but overall they didn't generate that much so I wasn't overly impressed but again they managed to park the bus well enough that uh, we only managed to get two I mean we should have gotten more absolutely we should be beating teams like Bournemouth 4-1 instead of 2-1 uh, so to, to some degree I'm impressed but there was nothing they really did that scared me or worried me or once we got to 2-1 I knew the game was over yeah um, 
I think that they're staying up, not because they impress me that much in this game, but I think that Norwich, Aston Villa, and one of the either Watford or West Ham is going down. I don't. Watford's think... been on an impressive streak. So if I but they just can't seem to get out of the relegation zone, despite all of their their wins and. It's true. Um, I think at this point Norwich is the only one that's kind of guaranteed to go back down, just because they're so far behind. But I would agree with you. I think Bournemouth has kind of the uh, the ability to stay. Uh, that being said, who knows when the season will end, uh, given the uh, the fears of the coronavirus. But for right now, I mean, I think that's one thing I'll say is I'm very glad for the win for Liverpool. It means that we're two away from the title. And so that means hopefully if they cancel the season in two weeks, we'll still be able to be crowned the champions as opposed to God knows what will happen if we haven't secured uh, the points necessary. Yeah, agreed. So uh, hopefully another two more wins, we get the title, and uh, we can celebrate. No matter what they say, the title will be ours. So uh, we'll see where that goes. And, uh, you know, onwards and upwards, we've got Atletico coming up, and it's good to go into that match with a win instead of a loss, obviously. We've been on a bit of a losing streak, so it's good to have a win to kind of focus the team and, and be positive going forward. Yeah, looking forward to that game. For more stories, analysis and articles, go to the ForensicCock.com website.